Good evening, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this third session in our study of the epistles of John. Uh, This evening's um, title, its overall theme is, You Have the Anointing. So let me open up with a word of prayer, and then we will get right into this first epistle from John. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, as people of faith, we have the anointing. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus Christ in our lives, O God. If we want to know, Lord, how you are communicating with us, how you are speaking to us, Lord, it's right here in the Word. I pray that we open up uh, the eyes and the ears of our hearts and open up your Word, Lord, so that we might have that spiritual connection. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that those who are watching this study uh, this evening or whenever they are having time to watch it, that it will be a ministry to them and for for them, and that it will plant seeds, Lord, of continued faith. Lord, may we seek your word in all that we do, and we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So church, I'm going to read for us the first letter uh, of John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 29. So I'll pick up there, and I uh, invite you to read along with me this evening. Uh, The heading uh, for this reading is, Do Not Love This World. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. For this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Picking up with verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that this last hour has come. These people left our churches but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, 
we enjoy the eternal life that he has promised us. I am writing these things to you to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything that you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So just a few, a few things that uh, Professor Wright here uh, mentions that I, I want to add to uh, the study. Uh, bear with me for a moment here. He says this, in his book, People of the Lie, the late psychotherapist M. Scott Peck describes some cases of extreme dysfunctional behavior. In much of his work, he could track the causes of unhappiness in the people who came to consult him. But there were other cases where something much more sinister seemed to be at work. Peck was not prepared for this. All his training in secular psychiatry and psychotherapy had ruled out the word, here it is, evil from his vocabulary. These unusual cases convinced Peck that he was wrong. The people he wrote about had taken a few more steps than most of us down a particular road. They had lied to themselves. They had lied to others. They had started believing and living by their lies. They had thereby invoked a kind of anti-power, the power of the lie an evil which was more than the sum total of their own deceits. It is, in quotes, people of the lie that John now warns against. He isn't a psychotherapist, but he puts his finger on one great lie above all and warns that those who accept this lie and live by it are a corrupting and dangerous influence. Those who do not believe the lie must learn to trust God's work in them, the work because of which they believe the truth. few other things here I wanted to uh, mention here. Uh, generations of Western Christians have supposed that Christians are meant to renounce, in quotes, the world in any and every sense. For instance, Natural enjoyments, the pleasures of food and drink, the created order itself. Perhaps they think the world, this world of space and time and matter, is actually evil. Perhaps we should try to live as though we were pure spirits, maybe. No, the professor says, that's not what John has in mind. As in some other early Christian writings, the world here, like the word flesh, when Paul uses it, means the world as it places itself over against God. 
The world remains God's good creation, and as such is to be enjoyed with thanksgiving, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 5. The command, in quotes, do not love the world or the things that are in the world, refers not to the physical stuff of this, of this world, but to the world, in quotes, as it is in rebellion against God. And I think that's key, and I'm just putting a star by that uh, myself here. That That's key when uh, these biblical writers talk about that. Anything in... Um, in rebellion to God, you know, that can ultimately separate us from God. Of course, John uses light and darkness as a part of that. So anything that is in rebellion or against God, right, can ultimately uh, lead you away from God, away from Jesus Christ. Uh, so, in rebellion against God. So the world, as the combination of things that draw us away from God. The flesh, the eyes, life itself, all can ultimately become idols, right? Like all idols, they demand more and more from those who worship them. All idolatry draws us into the lie, if you think about it, or if we're not careful, into the lie. We must celebrate all the goodness of the world, all God's goodness to us within his creation, but we must not worship it. And that's, that's key there. Uh, some other things I wanted to mention here. Uh, in verse 18 and 19, and let, me go, let me go back here and read that. Uh, he says this, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. So, in verses 18 and 19, John tells us how to recognize an anti-Messiah, which is a translation of the Hebrew word that we know better for antichrist. Okay, Jesus had warned that false messiahs would arise after him and deceive many people, uh, perhaps even more from among, here it is, his own followers. The complex world of first century Judaism, particularly in Palestine, was full of people and movements claiming that God was acting at last in this way. In that way, through this movement, through that person, many of the early Christians must have wondered as they heard about a new movement in a neighboring town, can this be Jesus back again? Is he here once again? Or even perhaps this is the real thing and all that extraordinary business about Jesus was just a, a, a preliminary warm-up exercise. Some of those who had been with Jesus' followers did go off after those new movements. John says, though, that these movements are <clears throat> anti-messianic movements. They may have started out 
within our fellowship, but what happens? They splinter off, they break away, they left because the heart of the matter was not in them. So just kind of putting this into real time, folks, you know, if you, if you have some, whether it be a, a Sunday school teacher, uh, an evangelist, a, a prophet, you know, preaching the word of God, and he, uh, he or the evangelist, let's say, uh, it says that Jesus Christ is not the Messiah, not the anointed, the anointed one. Um, uh, that you know, in John's words, you know, is saying this is this is thinking. This is a movement that is not of Jesus Christ, an anti-Messiah or an anti-Christ. So, you, you, you know, you know that, that's not new, right? I mean, there were movements then during John's time. And of course, you know, folks that are saying that, you know, you like myself would say, there's something suspect here. You know, and, and I think within the body of Christ being uh, concerned about that, it's good to approach that individual and say, did I hear what you just said correctly? But folks, I, I mean, what is what John is saying is Jesus Christ is the Messiah, is the anointed one, but, but there's movements, there's people that were saying otherwise, and that, of course, made them suspect for, for good reason. So, uh, we will uh, include the study questions here that go along with this study guide, and uh, and Rachel will put that together for us. Let, let me mention two other things, and then I want to read something uh, in closing. But, but I found this, I found this statement uh, telling here. It says this, the true follower of Jesus the Messiah has been anointed by the Holy Spirit, you see, so that a real change of heart and character has happened. One of the key symptoms of that change is the recognition that Jesus indeed is the Messiah. So anyone who is saying otherwise, that is suspect, church. He truly is the Son of God. The anti-Messianic movements are bound to deny this. If they don't, they have no reason to set up a new movement, right, in the first place. The greatest lie of all is to, what? Deny the Father and the Son. And we say that right in our own Apostles' Creed, the own, our own affirmation of faith. We're, we're speaking of the Trinity, and what what God did in Jesus Christ. We're speaking of the Father and Son. To reject that, to deny that, that's 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 suspect. Okay, so to deny that Jesus really is God's Son, here it is, is to cut off access to the Father as well. Since we truly know the Father only through the Son. Don't we do it, says John? These people are deceiving you, he says. You know this deep down because that anointing remains within you. Without anyone teaching you from the outside, you know the truth deep within. We know the Father through the Son. We know the Son and the Father 
through the guidance, the advocate of the Holy Spirit. So in the Greek, the word for anointing is the same root word as Messiah. The Messiah is literally translated the anointed one. God's anointed king, his one and only son. You have been, I, I like how he puts this, you have been messiahed, messiah, and then dash, ed. You have been then anointed. So you must not be deceived then by their denials of that. They are not only denying that Jesus is the Messiah, these antichrists, they are denying everything, here it is, that makes you now who you truly are. This is the lie that will, if given its head, eat its way like rust into the imagination and heart of a Christian or a church. That's how dangerous the lie is. Denying that Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah. So let me make a quick transition. I found this uh, great sermon that we will attach along with this study. Uh, this, uh, this, this just had some great, great content. And as I was uh, looking and building uh, material for this particular section about the anointed one, uh, this, this really spoke to me. So We'll, we'll include the, uh, the sermon in its entirety, but I want to read the, the closing part of it because there, there really was, uh, <clears throat> was some content here that just kind of brought it all, all together. So just bear with me for a minute. No matter in what direction a Christian looks, he finds reason to obey God. Look at it this way. If he looks back, he sees Calvary where Christ died for him. And that's always, I believe, where our thanksgiving, where our prayers, where our attitude of gratitude should always begin, at the cross of Calvary. If he looks then within, he sees the Holy Spirit who lives within and teaches him the truth. If he looks around, he sees his Christian brothers whom he loves. He also sees a world lost, right, in sin, desperately seeking and wanting to know then a godly witness. And if he looks ahead, he sees the return of Jesus Christ. The return of Christ is a great inspiration for godly living. Okay? So John has written about light and darkness. He's written about love and hatred, about truth and error. And in 1 John 2.29, he sums up the whole matter of Christian living in one phase here, phrase rather. He says, everyone who does what is right then has Christian character. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Everyone who does what is is right. What is right, what is righteous, right, is of God. So the life that is real is a life of doing, not simply talking. If we say, for instance, from 1 John 1, 8 through chapter 2, 9, or giving mental assent 
that a doctrine is correct, not everyone who says to me then, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does what? The will of my Father in heaven. Christians do not simply believe the truth. There's action to it, right? They do it. And that's from 1 John 1.6. So a person who professes to be a Christian, who does not live then in obedience, love, and truth, is either deceived or in fact a deceiver. A child bears the nature of his father, and a person who has been born of God will then reveal the characteristics of the heavenly father, right? 1 Peter 1, 14-16 instructs us now, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Verse 15, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct, in all of your living. Verse 16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. We are, you know, think of it like this, we are to mirror that, to be a reflection of holiness, of God of of God's Son Jesus Christ. So I, I wanna I wanna leave it uh, leave it there. But but I found that to be uh, helpful and a good way to summarize. So we will we will include that, uh, and that will conclude this evening's study. Uh, what what we'll look at for next week. If you want to go ahead and get ahead and, and read here, First John, chapter three in its entirety, and that uh, chapter is entitled God's Children Now. So we will leave it there. I want to offer a word of prayer uh, for us this evening as we uh, put our study to a close. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O God, we are justified by our faith in your Son alone, O God. And with that, Lord, we believe. Lord, we also must believe by living it, living in the light, living in your love. Lord, having our spiritual ears and the ears of our hearts close to the ground, making sure that what is being preached from the pulpits, Lord, and taught from the Word of God is what's in the Bible, Lord, and whatever is suspect, Lord, that we are to call it what it is. Lord, it's unfortunate, it's tragic, but there are many deceivers, Lord, then as are as they are uh, in our world now. Lord, we pray for our churches. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that there will be a fire, Lord, for your word, that we stand not on deception, but we stand, Lord, upon your word that is biblical truth. Let's put our hearts there. Let's put our faith there as we serve, as we worship, and as we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Church, you have a wonderful evening. Take care. God bless you. And I will see you next week.